Praise the Lord from Pastor Strader at Lighthouse Church. Thanks for connecting with us through our podcast. Our prayer is that it's a blessing to you as we try to reach, equip, and mobilize Jesus' name disciples in Apache Junction, Arizona, and the surrounding region. Enjoy today's podcast and come back often. God bless you. We love you. If you have your Bibles, Isaiah 6. Verse 1, Isaiah 6 and 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, with twain he did fly. One cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that crieth, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with, of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and I sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I sin, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. You may be seated. In this scripture, we read of the vision that Isaiah had, the Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah began as a good king. In 2 Chronicles 26, in verse 3 through 5, it says, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecolia of of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. But Uzziah's life met a tragic end as 2 Chronicles 26 and 16 says, But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. He ended up dying at a young age from from leprosy. He, he, he was shunned. He was put out of the, the kingdom. He was no longer a king. He was made as a leper. And it was during this time, perhaps feeling discouraged by the fall of this once good king that Isaiah had this vision. The first thing that the Bible says that Isaiah saw in his vision was the Lord. It says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. The first part of Isaiah's vision was upward to the Lord. See, Isaiah may have been discouraged because King Uzziah's death, but through his vision, God was showing Isaiah that while the kings may rise and kings may fall, God is forever on his throne. 
Whatever you are going through in your life right now, what are you going through your life right now? May I suggest to you that the first thing to do is to look up and see that God is still on His throne. He is still in control. Our trials and the things that we face in this life may discourage us, but if we just look up and see the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up, He is still on a throne. The Bible says that not only is He seated upon His throne high and lifted up, but it says that His train filled the temple. In ancient times, it was common for a victorious king to cut off either a a piece or, or the train of the robe of the defeated king and to sew it or to attach it to his own robe. We would see that the length of the king's robe then would would be a sign of his greatness and his power. The longer the robe, the more victories he had won and the more kings that he had defeated in battle. The magnitude of the glory and power of our God can be seen in Isaiah's writings where he said that his train filled the temple. Whatever you are going through, whatever trial you may be going through, whatever you are facing today, understand, and we can know that our God is greater than anything. He has never been defeated. His train fills the temple. The second thing that Isaiah saw in his vision was himself. His vision turned inward. Bible says, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In contrast to the Lord sitting upon the throne and the seraphim, who were crying out, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Isaiah said, I am undone, meaning I am ruined or I am destroyed. Isaiah saw the holiness of the Lord and immediately saw his own uncleanliness. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. He saw his sinfulness and that of the children of Israel in terms of sinful speech. See, by its very nature, our lips are full of flattery. In Psalms 12 and 2, it says, With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. Our lips lie. In Psalms 31, 18, it says, Let the lying lips be put to silence. Our lips deceive, it says in Psalms 34 and 13, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Isaiah said, I am a man of unclean lips. But the Bible says that then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. It was a live coal. It was hot and burning. It was not a dead and cold coal, but it was a hot burning coal. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost to purify our lives as a live coal purified Isaiah's lips. 
One thing we need not do is allow condemnation to keep us from what God wants to do in our lives. As Bishop preached this morning, you may have sinned. As Isaiah, you may have been undone and unclean. But there is forgiveness and remission of sins in Jesus Christ. We must repent and accept the grace and forgiveness of God and then do what He has called each of us to do. The third thing that Isaiah saw in his vision was the world. His, his vision then became outward. He said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. See, each and every one of us have a call from God. Each and every one of us have been called out by God and have been commissioned to go, the Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Teach the gospel to every creature. We must go. The voice of the Lord called to Isaiah as he calls to us today. Whom shall I send and who will go? And as Isaiah, let all of us answer. Let each of us answer. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Praise God. They call him the puzzle king. He sits in a third grade classroom at Edgy Prize Elementary, and his name is James Gissel. James loves puzzles. In fact, in his class, the kids in the classroom call him the Puzzle King. They have a table in the back of the room where his teacher leaves puzzles for the kids to work on when they happen to finish their classwork. And when the other kids go to the back of the room to work on the puzzles, his teacher says that James typically has already completed those puzzles. I don't know whether or not he has actually completed his classwork before this takes place, but I do know that he is the classroom puzzle king. And so recently we've gotten him a, a number of puzzles to work on at home. Now for me personally, I enjoy a puzzle. Um, however, after a while, I get bored pretty quickly. Because if you haven't figured out by now, um, I may have undiagnosed adult ADHD. It's hard for me to stay focused on one thing. It's hard for me to stay focused on a puzzle. And what, why do I need to spend five hours taking something that has been intentionally broken up just to put it back together so I could see a picture of what I can already see on the cover of the box when it was still in the store sitting on a shelf? It makes no sense to me. And that's how I personally feel about puzzles. I get impatient. And this tends to be the same way with Scripture. When we read the Bible, when we pray, God tends to reveal himself to us in pieces. We get to see glimpses into who he is, but we don't get to see all of God at one time. And the Old Testament gives us a great example of someone who also struggled with fulfilling their calling without first seeing the full picture. Moses had a hard time doing what God was calling him to do. 
If you'll remember that moment when the bush spoke to him and when he realized he was standing on holy ground, it says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10 through 17, but Moses pleaded with God. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation because I like how it says, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get all tingled up. And then the Lord asked Moses, who made a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as, I, as you speak, and I will instruct in you what to stay. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. And then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he is on his way to meet you right now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put, and, put the words in, and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with both of you as you speak. And I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece. And you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. Now, can you imagine this moment, this awesome moment? God has literally just spoken to Moses, a fugitive from law, hiding out in the desert, someone who considers themselves a nobody. They have disappeared from society, and they are hiding out in the middle of the desert. But you know, this guy, this would be, but for him, this moment would be the equivalency of God showing up on your doorstep and telling you, hey, I'm calling you to go. I'm calling you to go. And to put it in context of what's happening right now, let's say it's the most uh, one of the most powerful rulers of the world. I want you to go and deliver a nation from their enemy. I want you to go. It'd be like us being asked to go stop Putin from what he is doing right now. And the, imagine the, the heaviness that must have sat upon Moses as he is faced with a task to go face somebody like Putin to stop creating havoc upon a nation. When we put it in that kind of context, it gives us that wow moment. And so it's not hard for us to believe and understand when Moses is saying, God, anybody, send anybody but me. I'm so lacking in the pieces that I need to do what you would put upon my shoulders. And Moses is like, say what? But in our human understanding, we're so limited in our ability to fully know the depth of not only God's love and the depth of God's power, but if we truly understood the depth of what eternity has for us and the implications our decisions on earth will have on the forever, I believe our fear of the Lord would be something totally different as well. We would not be so quick when God comes to us and says, now go, before we say, why me? If we truly understand who God is and what God has for us, we would get up and we would just go. In scripture, it's called, um, our understanding, I'm sorry, our understanding of God, of who we are in God, 
It is a process. Our understanding of our situation and how God would have us navigate this gift that he has given us called life and called free choice, it's a process. And in scripture, it's called progressive revelation. That doesn't mean that God changes. God did not grow bigger or stronger since the last time that we prayed and we spoke out and we cried out to him, but rather our understanding of who God is changes as we grow and mature and seek that understanding. And when you put together, uh, and so then for, for God to do work in my heart, for God to show me something about myself so that I can accomplish what he has called me to do, I have to start with the frame. When you put together a puzzle, what do you do? You begin with the corners. And then you find the straight edges. And you build that frame around a puzzle. And that's what Acts does for us. It gives us those corners to help us get started. Acts 2.38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Start with the corners and then build your frame. I like what Brother Nathan said, be like Isaiah. You have to first look up at God and recognize that God is God. And when you recognize that God is God, that is the first corner. Then we can repent, and then we can be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now I've got my four corners, and now I can start to build the frame around what God has called me to do. But then when we get to that place where we start to live this thing that we call an apostolic Pentecostal lifestyle with God, things start to get more complicated. All of a sudden, the things that we're supposed to do aren't as straightforward as we would like them to be. The pieces are weird shapes. They have crazy designs on them, crazy colors, and things get really hard. And that's where Moses is coming from in this pas passage of Scripture that I read. God is calling him to do something really dramatic, and he doesn't have a picture to use as a source to know what it's supposed to look like in the end. And he actually argues a bit with God when God tells him what his next steps are supposed to be. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me. Lord, please send someone else. And I don't know whether I'm good at this, and I don't know whether I'm good at that. I really just don't know yet. But I, I, I don't know where God is leading me or if God is even aware of my personal situation. And I want to tell someone tonight, God hasn't shown you the final picture to your puzzle. He hasn't revealed how everything is supposed to fit together. But he has called you to go. He has called you to move forward in your relationship with him, in your understanding with him. Don't just get up and walk away from a table and ignore the pieces that are a mess scattered throughout. You have to go and back to that table and look at the pieces laid out before you. So how do you put together a puzzle? One piece at a time. One day at a time. The verse does not say, give us this day the next 70 years worth of bread so we never have to go to the store again. The verse says, give us this day our daily bread. You have got to spend time daily in prayer. You have got to spend time daily in the word to really understand not only who he is, but who you are in him. 
We need God's help, but I promise you this, God is not going to do for you what you can do for you. God is not going to do for you what you can do for you. God does not reveal himself by osmosis. You have to spend time in his presence. That's how I get the picture of who he is. And when I get the picture of who he is, I can begin to put together the pieces of what he's calling me to be. God likes puzzles. And now he's got to give you the picture. I'll keep going, man. Relax. Trust in God. Trust in the process. And make that picture happen. I got a minute and a half, sir. Trust in God. And he'll give you the rest of the pieces. Amen. And what two wonderful messages. Now, are you thirsty? John seven thirty seven says, in the last day. Or in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Isaiah 44, 1 through 4 says, Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou Yeshuan, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the watercourses. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but that water shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Isaiah 28, 11 and 12 goes on to say, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But as Jude advises, But you, beloved Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. For out of our bellies are supposed to flow rivers of living water. And you know that lollipop she was talking about a while ago. If you've not drank water that came out of limestone and sandstone like I had coming out of the mountains of Tennessee, you don't know what water tastes like. And it's hard to find water that you can drink anymore that tastes good, but I promise you that Holy Ghost is the best water you can ever drink. That Holy Ghost, which goes with us, is refreshing us. You know, they did a study, and they said that people that are Pentecostal and they speak in tongues, very few of them struggle with mental issues. They don't have anxiety that keeps them down in the bed for weeks on weeks. They don't have depression that just buries them near their head in the dark, you know. Because they have that river of living water flowing out. Now, they also did a study and come up with a decision based upon science that every time you speak in tongues, and I'm not talking about just the Shalomahaya, 
I'm talking about when you get drunk in the Holy Ghost, when you really get down into it, when you really get in your worship, when you really abide in the Spirit. As it says in John 15, 3, Jesus said, Now you are clean by the word that I have spoken unto you. So now we have the coal of fire that was on Isaiah's lips, speaking and burning through our own tongue. Because who can tame their own tongue? Man cannot tame their own tongue. It takes God. So that refreshing that comes from speaking in tongues, when we do that, we get two powerful endorphins dumped from a part of our brain that science doesn't really have any understanding about. You know where it dumps those two endorphins? Into your immune system. Your immune system. As Paul says, edify yourself. Speaking in tongues edifies yourself. As Christ said in Matthew 7, take the beam out of your own eye. Speaking in tongues edifies self. And I encourage you, as the day draws nearer, we should be more bilingual. We should be walking around back and forth between our language that our parents taught us and our language that our God gave us. We should be back and forth because abiding in the Spirit... We can't do that unless we abide in the Spirit. If we abide in the Spirit, we bear much fruit. Are you bearing much fruit today? When was the last time you got Holy Ghost drunk? When was the last time they had to carry you out? Wouldn't you like to be refreshed like that? Every chance we get, we should be reaching for it. You know, when we pray, we should be praying until we speak in tongues. When we worship, we should be singing and shouting until we speak in tongues, dancing and running. Why? Because it's not us. It's Christ in us, a hope of glory. And when we usher heaven in with the language of angels, who can stand against us? He's Shalomahiah. It is God's will that we speak in tongues more and more. Why? Because it edifies self. And we can't help our neighbor until we've helped ourselves. Are you thirsty? Are you looking for that water today? Repentance brings refreshing. And we're supposed to go forth. And those who speak in tongues have the authority, as it says in Isaiah, to cause the weary to rest or cause the weary to Sabbath, in other words. What is the Sabbath we should keep? Speaking in tongues. For it's a sign. Not just to those who know to look for it. But do you know that every Jew at the time of Pentecost was looking for speaking in tongues? Zephaniah 3.9 says, For in that day I will return to the people a pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. That doesn't leave anybody out that believes. And speaking in tongues is like going to war and hitting the button that drops the nuclear bomb on your problem. You can't do it on your own. But God. But God. So as I go to wind it up right now, if it's been a while since you really got Holy Ghost drunk, I would like to invite you down here to the altar. Repentance brings refreshing. Seek him while he may be found, for tomorrow is not a promise. Dive in and reach for heaven, and heaven will fill you up. I'd like for you to stand right now.
if it's on you right now that you need to draw closer to God, I encourage you to come down here to these altars and pray and to seek God's face and ask for that refreshing that comes in the time of repentance. Seek him while he may be found, for tomorrow is not a promise. You know, you can go three days without water before you start dying. But you can't go to Walmart without Jesus. You can't go across the street without Jesus. For to be without Jesus means you're spiritually dead. And we don't do dead men walking. So as we come down here right now tonight, listen, reach for Christ and say, God, fill us up. Quicken me, Lord. Refresh me. So that we can go out into the highways and hills and to come in. Where are we compelling them? To a city not built by human hands, but a city built by God and we should be like that city here on earth a city set on a hill cannot be hid for its light is seen are you lit today are you burning brightly for God there's several people down here that are praying I'd like for the rest of you to come join them and Lay hands on them and pray. As everyone press in tonight. For we need God. We need that river of living water flowing out of us. Revival doesn't have to wait. Revival begins with me. Refresh me, O God. Create within me a clean heart. And renew within me a right spirit. So that I can go forth. And proclaim your word. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. As we all find a place of prayer, let's just seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Because God is the righteous God. And he said he's ever present to help you if you need help. He'll give you the strength. He will give you the guidance. He'll give you the direction. It's just up to you what you do with what you've heard tonight. These brethren have preached their heart. God is speaking to each one of us to draw near draw near to him because he loves you so much oh God in your name amen we're just believing God for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost hallelujah hallelujah thank you Lord Jesus you're an awesome, awesome, awesome God. Father, Father, in your name.
We know, God, that without you we can do nothing. Without you we're total failures, Lord. Lord, you're worthy of all of our praise. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. Oh, God. Give us, give us, give us of that water, that well that never runs dry. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name. Jesus speaking, he says, without me, you can do nothing. We need him so desperately, so desperately. Let's raise our hands and just love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with everything that's within us. Let's just love him. Hallelujah and praise him. Hataboko Shadamahaya. Jesus in your name, in your name, Lord. Ekarina Dokora Tikisalabohaya. Father in your name, we appreciate you. We thank you, Lord God. Hadamohanda Gita. Sebaduyaso. We thank you, Lord God. Amen. If we, if we can look at the world the way that it is, and if you know anything about the Word of God, if you've read any part of it concerning the Lord's coming, you can't help but believe that the Lord could come at any time. Any moment. And I don't know about you, but if there's anything I want to do, I want to go to heaven. I've come too far. I've come way too far to not make it. 
But I've got to keep my eye on the goal. Not looking behind me with all the mistakes I've made, all the failures I've had, and even the sins that I've probably committed. I've got to forget those things that are behind and look forward because I can see, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I don't believe we've got too much further to go. And the Bible said, he that endures to the end. It's an endurance. We've got to keep pressing toward the mark and the high calling of God. We're living, we're living in the last days. Let's just raise our hands one more time and give God the praise. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. We do praise you. We do praise you. Brother Javier, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer? everyone says shake hands be friendly god bless you we love and appreciate everyone in here